Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Wall of Power Radio Hour. This is your host, Paul Metza. We have an incredible guest on tonight. In about an hour and a half or so, he will be taking the stage at Crooner's Nightclub in Fridley. He's one of the greatest uh, singers I know personally, and we've known each other on and off since uh, uh, since the late 1970s, because that's how we roll age-wise. Bruce Henry, is, uh, an, he's an educator, an artist, a performer. He's performed uh, in concert with uh, the likes of Roberta Flack, Natalie Cole, Stefan Grappelli, Ramsey Lewis, Doc Severinsen, The Sounds of Blackness, Bobby McFerrin, and more. And he's got a great ensemble tonight at Crooners, and we've never really sat down and, and got to know each other like we're going to be able to do tonight. But welcome to the Wall of Power Radio Hour, Mr. Bruce Henry. Thank you so much, Paul. Glad to be here. Excited to be here. Yeah, now you are currently living back in Chicago where you kind of came of age, correct? Uh, yes, I am. I live right downtown in the middle of the city. <laughs> And you were, because you were not cool enough, you are so cool, you were born in West Point, Mississippi, home of the great bluesman Howlin' Wolf. Yes, yes. And they were down there in Clay County, Mississippi. So you've got some really, at least in the bloodline, some really deep blues roots going through your soul. Yeah, I, I, I do, because, you know, you know, man, the blues is the root. <laughs> the blues is the root, and everything else is the fruit. Mm-hmm. You know? So blues is, it's just running through so much of the music that I love and enjoy, that we love and enjoy, and uh, including gospel. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, well, and, um, so, I, I mean, you look at uh, so many of the, uh, those first original blues cats, Sunhouse, uh, Skip James and the rest, a lot of those guys, when they weren't playing the devil's music, were actually preaching the gospel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's but, true. <laughs> now, ta- talk we, about now. We could call um, them deathbed ministers. You ever heard uh, that term, deathbed ministers? No, but uh, uh, I hope I don't see one soon. <laughs> <laughs> people who get, people who later on in life start preaching. <laughs> oh, that's what, the, Okay. I got it. I got it. Um, so tell us now a little bit about uh, your mom and dad. Uh, they both influenced you musically and uh, how you got from Mississippi to uh, Chicago. Yeah, well, the, the Mississippi, my, my, my dad is, is gone now. He's Booker T. Henry. He was Booker T. Henry, my mother. I just saw her a little while ago. Bobby Henry lives on the south side. And um, my father... My father was a was a beautiful baritone, and uh, and he played piano. So his piano style it was almost like a a, a time you know time machine transports you right back to the early 1950s. So his style never moved past like uh, you know after hours one o'clock jump Count Basie like in there. A little bit of the Kansas City blues and sure. swing, so that was that's what he sounded like for the rest of his life. And that's you know, a great that's, good, that's a that's a great place to be. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. Why, you don't have to move on from there if you're doing it right. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So he, um, yeah, he was a big influence. He was always playing the piano. And, you know, all of my life, he, you know, he played only gospel. And I guess when he was younger, he played with a group in Mississippi, a, a swing band, called themselves the Harlem Swing Cats. Hmm. And they were a big band playing Basie and Ellington, traveling from the Florida Panhandle, Alabama, Mississippi, like that. But by the time I was born, he came home from the Korean War, and he said, you know, he, he said that life expectancy wasn't too long for a piano player, a juke joint. So, uh, yeah. so, so he left that he left that behind and was a bus driver, a CTA. Okay. So when did you uh, you started singing in church, Bruce Henry, when you were just a little boy, right? Yeah, I was about five years old. The first time I remember it. Pilgrim Rest Missionary Baptist Church and so on the west side right across the street from what's now where the Bulls play and the Blackhawks Okay, not, they call it United Center um, so, and it's it's almost funny you go over there it used to be a residential neighborhood and uh, you go over there now it's just that church and surrounded in a, in a sea of parking lots wow. for the stadium so <laughs> that's where I started singing when I was five and they would they would they would push you up there, man. They would call you from your seat, just impromptu, and you had to be ready. And you know, so it started out there. You know, a couple hundred to two hundred fifty people in there, so it was a nice size right. to get used to singing at age five. So, right. Well, you know, I uh, I've seen a couple of those live shows and in the talent shows at the Apollo Theater in Harlem, and I go, my God. You've got to be on your game when you're playing for uh, to a room full of black people uh, <laughs> that know their stuff. And I'm talking as a white guy, you know. <laughs> but I'm sure even as a young young African American man, you had to be on your toes because you had some s- serious ears out there in the audience in the church. You did, and there were great people, you know, the Barrett sisters and people like that. Gospel legends would come as guest performers to our church. So, you know, um, it was uh, pretty, pretty, pretty impressive. My father's a great singer, so um, I never wanted to let let them down. But, you know, that church, you know, Paul, you know, the church, what I like about the church was they were all pulling for you. Yeah, right. On the edge of their seat, just pulling for the little kid, the new person, you know. So it it was a great way to grow, and they suffered through your mistakes, you know. Yeah. I I melted down once, and and, uh, I never forget that. I melted down when I was seven, and uh, (laughs) now I get flashbacks of that. I I pull it together quick. (laughs) Now, just tell us a little bit about that, because uh, I've had a couple of times, there was one time this was actually, was it musical? But I was at a speech tournament in International Falls, Minnesota, and it was in, it was just like comedy improvisation or something like that. And I whizzed through all the preliminaries, and then I got in front of everybody, which was like six, seven hundred people. There was high schools from all over northern Minnesota, and I had nothing. I had absolutely nothing, and I literally walked up and had to kind of walk off in shame. So I know how it's still now. I mean, that was, you know, 50 years ago. It still bothers me. But 
if it was won't bother you too much, tell us what happened when you melted down. Oh, oh, well, it was that thing, you know. So we had this program, and after this was in the afternoon, like on Sunday, we were in church all day, you know, to 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 way after dark, we were in church oh. all day, and so they had this night program they called BTU Baptist Training Union. So. Uh, you really was like a Sunday school at night, but they also had music. And that's when the pastor, you know, in this particular time, the pastor called me up to sing, but that wasn't enough. He chose a song, too, mm-hmm. and you just had to be ready. And uh, I didn't really know the song that well, so I got up there, and I never forget. I, I never forget. I could look over. I could see my mother. You can do it, Bruce. You can do it. And I look over my father. Boy, don't you embarrass this family. (laughs) (laughs) And my eyes are going back and forth between them, like, you know, and I just started crying and passing. Oh, that's all right. That's all right. But I never did that again, knock on wood. It never happened again. If I don't remember the words now, I just write them. Well, you know, um, but there's not a performer around or alive or who's been alive, who's not with us that at some point hasn't done that themselves. That's part of the stepping stones. That's so, that is so true. I never want to like, you know, I never want to feel that again. So, you know, not that I haven't made mistakes before, but yeah, I try my best to be prepared. Before we, uh, we're going to have uh, the great Bruce Henry on the wall and power radio hour all night tonight. And he's such a fascinating character with such a great musical history and just a really good soul. We're going to cover as much of uh, 65 years of life in a in an hour as we can tonight. But Bruce, before we get too far along, tell us about the show tonight at the uh, at Crooner's Nightclub. You've got a phenomenal band behind you. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm a lucky man. <laughs> yeah. I look around sometime on stage and I go, well, Thank you, thank you. Yeah. Um, I, the, sh- the show tonight is uh, it's a musical celebration of African American history. That's it's it's informed. The music selections and the stories will be informed by the work I've been doing uh, in history uh, as a historian for many many years on the, the history of African American music and different genres and forms. So I have with me. Uh, I have with me. I guess the, I call them young lions because. Oftentimes when I play, I have a little bit older crew, and mm-hmm. I call them Wild Horses Run Free. <laughs> but uh, this this group is some folks that are on the younger side, but they're titans. Um, so uh, Kavi, Kavi Raj is on, on piano. Uh, Kevin Washington, he's young to me, but he's been playing with me forever. And uh, Jeff Bailey, the great Jeff Bailey is on oh, bass. Yeah. And Omar Abdul Kareem is playing trumpet, and he's making quite a name for himself on the trumpet as a composer and performer. And uh, the story with Omar, I played with his father in the wow. 1970s. And so the last time I was at Crooners, they came up on stage and uh, almost lost it seeing those generations together. Circle of Life. Life. We've got uh, Bruce, Bruce Henry. We're going to hear a song. Here's called Uptown Blues. Then be back for the whole show on the Wall of Power Radio Hour.
Welcome back to the Wall of Power Radio Hour. This is your host, Paul Messer. My guest for the whole show tonight, soul singing, blues rocking, uh, hip hop grooving cat named Bruce Henry. Bruce, uh, I was listening to, uh, God, it's been, I can't remember the last time I heard you sing live. It was over 20 years ago. It might have been at the Dakota. Now, did you mm-hmm. were you doing some gigs with my uh, our mutual, the great goddess uh, and our friend Mary Harris? Uh, yeah, we've gigged together before uh, a number a number of different times. Yeah, yeah. She, I, I don't know if that was the last time I saw you. I mean, we might be better than mine, but yeah, yeah. I, I whenever I get a chance, I like to work with her. Yeah. So now, tell us about we were talking had a little pre interview the other night. Tell us about your first trip to Minneapolis. Oh, yeah. My <laughs> first trip. <laughs> it's a story, you know. <laughs> it, it, it's a story. So uh, I I was in um, Wisconsin at the University of Wisconsin in Whitewater. Okay. And uh, I was down there going to school with David Wright. He's David Wright the third saxophone player and Plays with the sounds of blackness. Been with him for decades, and uh, uh, David was the big man on campus down there. And I was like a sophomore or something, and I had never, never, never sung with a band before. Yeah. So I got invited to sing with the band there. Actually, on my 18th birthday, so it'll be 50 years ago this July. Wow. And uh, shortly after that, uh, we came. Up, we auditioned to be in a band. David and I auditioned to be in a band led by the great John Tenney and um, uh, Jay Young's in that was in that band. Jim Cartier, fabulous people. Uh, well, we auditioned. We were going to come up. The deal was we were going to come up, and we had uh, we we're going to do jazz. And it's a beautiful album. Still one of my favorite albums. My first album with these guys was called Solstice, and uh, all original jazz and. Um, but by, you know, our day job was going to be doing, uh, you know, Boss Skaggs and Earth, Wind and Fire on the road. Right. <laughs> you know, that was, yeah, right. That's how we were going to pay for the jazz with the blue <laughs> jumpsuits and everything. Sure. <laughs> and, uh, and, and so I left college and we we're going to come up here 
and we're going to sign this contract. I believe the first contract was like for 50 weeks or 52 weeks of wow. solid work, traveling to Myrtle, South Dakota, you know, Watertown, just Waterloo, Watertown, all of it. Sure, right. Um, in, in these pink, pink and in the blue jumpsuits. So <laughs> the day we got here, the day we got here and we met the agent, um, we met the agent, and he he met us at our house. We we call it Rancid Oaks, <laughs> thirty five, thirty three, Fourth Avenue South. That's the first thing I saw straight from the highway uh, to thirty five, thirty three across the street from Central's football field. Yeah, at the time, and uh, agent came over and he looked around the room, and John was our leader, and John Penny, and uh, he said, John. I told you that this band needed to be four whites and three blacks. Wow. And we had it the reverse, four blacks, three whites. He right. tore up the contract. Oh, man. Tore up the contract. Um, half of us wanted to take care of him, and half of us wanted to get him out the house safely. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and he, here we are. Here I am. I dropped out of college, and I learned the lesson, you know, signed the contract first. Right. But uh, that's how I got to Minneapolis. Well, uh, that uh, temporary setback really uh, created a path uh, and yielded many pathways for you uh, to do all the things you're doing today, not only performing, you're educating. And uh, tell us more about this show, a little bit of what's going to be played tonight at Crooner's that you also uh, present to universities and, and colleges and classrooms. Uh, uh, tell us exactly uh, kind of the curriculum of, of what you're performing tonight. Okay. So it's um, a long time ago. I was talking about uh, Minneapolis and in the ways it's been good to me. Uh, I think this must be over 40 years. Well, it has to be. 42, 43 years ago, a friend of mine, Debbie Bieber Arnsberger, uh, was a citizen, a journalist, and a friend. And she contacted me to write uh, a, a, a booklet that would be handed out by the Minneapolis Park System at performance uh, called The Evolution of African American Music. And so... And we, with her help, we put together the first booklet, which covers the 400-year history. So from West African music influences uh, on a timeline up to the current music of today. So that was the first crack at it. And then I, I went on a lifetime of study and um, inspired by people like Professor Yolanda Williams, who's still, she's out in Glenwood now, but has taught at universities there for a long time. One of my favorite mentors and a great scholar and then the, the great Dr. Geneva Southall, um, and among other people I studied with, and then I rewrote a curriculum that was designed for uh, like seventh, eighth graders. Um, and but it's gotten a lot of play. Actually, people buy the curriculum uh, for their college classes, even. Um, and so the curriculum is written at twenty stages. So we just go on a timeline and give you give an idea uh, just of some of the stages. So we start with West African folk music, then we go into you know American folk music, 
Uh, African-American folk music would include work songs, cries, and hollers. Then we break it into the blues and, and a couple of different segments on the blues, or 20, two different stages on the early blues and later blues. Same thing with jazz. We talk about black military music, uh, black experience in classical music, going on the timeline to soul, jazz, rock, till we get up to the music of the day, and then even um, the evolution beyond our borders, how people around the world have music been inspired so time what runs along with the timeline like like for me you know i i love history equal to music equal to singing i love it right and so for me it's like how do i get people because 99 percent of the people i meet <laughs> say they hate history so, right. so how do you make it fun and so there's so many lessons um so many lessons beyond the music i, I like to say it's not just the history of music it's it, it it's not the history of the music. The music is the music of our history. Right. Oh, totally. So, so yeah. You know, I just so much of the black experience can be explained by the music that was created at that time or was developed can. because, like, say, the blues in Chicago, the Great Migration is an event in history, but there's no blues in Chicago without the Great Migration. Yeah, no, absolutely. I've been uh, saying that for years you can literally chart the course of American history uh, by its music, and certainly by its blues music. You, you know, from, uh, from the plantations to the cities, the itinerant musicians that travel around, and I'm talking black and white. And, um, right. and then phonographs, radios, record players. Uh, another big advancement for both black and white musicians was when Sears started selling guitars. You could get a guitar right. in Sears catalogs. You know? So you got American commerce, uh, segregation, integration, uh, the great industrial age. No, I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, I really wish mm. I could be there tonight. Tell us what, just if I could, uh, you know, I hope you've been up for a while. So now what would, if you're given an example of like, what sort of chants or little vocalizations would you hear in Africa 400 years ago? Can you mimic any of that? Uh, yeah. Um, so one of the things I, I love about it is, uh, man, don't get me started on this. Uh, <laughs> we'll run out of time because I just love the story so much. So one of the one of the things that, that I love about it is, you know, you have to be careful when you say general when you general when you make generalizations, but generally speaking, so much of African music was spiritual in nature, and right. the idea is that through singing and playing a song, that you could be joined by the spirits. You know, so here here's the song that uh, it would be done with uh, with drums and multiple voices, but I'm gonna do the best I can. Doing wow. that with drummers and dancing, we probably would do that song for a while. <laughs> wow, I'm, I'm so delighted you did it, and really honored to hear that. Um, 
What have you learned through all of this study uh, about yourself, Bruce Henry? Has it given you a deep intellectual or spiritual or physical or, you know, uh, uh, insight into who you are as a human being? Who I am as a human being? I've, I've learned... I've learned about my Africanness because, you know, uh, so much of the African-American experience here in America has been about the, the powers that be trying to erase our, any cultural connection to the past because a cultural connection to the past and to a cultural connection with people like you can lead to to revolution can lead to progress. You know, so ever since the beginning of being on the ships and people speaking the same tongue being separated, and ever since, you know, 400 years ago when people singing a song like that just sang was out loud, or the making it illegal throughout the country to play African drums. So, So what I've learned by studying this curriculum is looking at which is one of the reasons I studied the curriculum is like when I went to when I went to the conservatory of music, you know, I studied um, you know European music, and I, which I love still to this day. But here I am. I'm this is what they're telling me is this is the official story of music. This is it, and I'm going like, man, I hear different things outside of that model every yeah. Sunday, all day long, all so, day long. So you're telling me. I'm sorry, <laughs> cut you off. No, well, no, you're no. telling me, you're telling me that what my culture and where it came from is not valued. It doesn't matter. In fact, it doesn't even exist, or it's primitive and it's crude. And, and so, uh, what the curriculum has done has taught me, or studying the curriculum has taught me to value that and to see and to be proud of how. Even though, you know, most of us have never been to the continent of Africa, but how much we, we still operate under those cultural parameters, how we praise God, how we make music, how we, how we make melismas with our voice, the blue notes in our voice, the fact that I'm going to get up in the audience and say, go ahead, man. <laughs> that all comes from a place. Right. So it's taught me to celebrate who I am and to see those connections. And if one other thing is like, as I've gone along this journey, I was like, oh my God, this is just a part of it. So African, the African diaspora, their connections between what I did at church down in Peru with African wow. ancestors and descendants of Africa. So that African diaspora has spread these same cultural values all over the world and we have connections. That's one of the biggest takeaways I've got. That's that's brilliant, uh, Bruce Henry. And if you want to experience the man in the flesh tonight at Crooners uh, in Fridley, or if uh, you're getting this message a little too late, go to uh, his website, which is what? What's your website, Bruce? BruceHenry.com? No, BruceAHenry.com. Yep. All right, go to Bruce Just put the A, a in Henry. there, you'll find me. <laughs> this has been delightful. We're going to take a little break and be back for one more set with the great Bruce Henry on the Wall of Power Radio Hour. Black cowboy, black cowboys, where are you today? You know the world ain't heard a single word of what you had to say. Our brothers and sisters. 
Ain't seen a word on one dang page About a tale of love and glory From a long forgotten age Listen up, y'all, won't you hear my story? Listen to a tale of love, hatred, and glory. I was born in western Missouri. Papa was dead and my mama was no rain. I say Papa was a hard-working blacksmithing man while me and mama worked our day Telling the land We found out Though times got rough If you stressed your spine A little There was always enough hey, yippee 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 But then one sad day I recall Some people came over the hill You know they spilled my mammy and pappy's blood To help pay for someone else's bill But it was somehow by the grace of my God That I was allowed to live I headed on out to seek my fortune Without the strength or courage to forgive You know I was a big, strong, strapping boy Despite my lack of years I earned my pay working for the man Running and roping his steers From Tulsa to Abilene I rode on despite my fears You know I had myself a real good time Between the red next to ticks and the tears Black cowboy, y'all He told me about fools and kings On the sea said to me oh, 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 The greatest thing You will ever, you will ever learn oh, You got to give love, got to give, got to give, got to give love And give it in return To be loved I got to give some love in return. Welcome back to the third set of the Wall of Power Radio Honor. This is your host, Paul Metzit. We just heard my guest, Bruce Henry, sing a little bit of the song popularized by Nat King Cole, The Great Nature Boy. Boy, that sounded so good. Bruce, when did you record that? Uh, that one... It's on an album from about 10 years ago, but I recorded it. I stuck that song in there. <laughs> from uh, It was a, a live BBC broadcast from the early 90s. So really? That night. Yeah, we did it. I guess they said over 110 million people were listening that night. Wow. Uh, it was recorded down at Ruby, old Ruby's Cabaret. Right. Ruby's Cabaret. The BBC wow. came to town to capture Minneapolis. Woo! Well, uh, you know, and speaking, and, and I want to get back to more of your uh, Minneapolis uh, 
experiences because you've really uh, played with, you know, the greats and the soon-to-be greats. But tell us, you've been to five continents. Tell us about your travels around the world, Bruce Henry. Oh, yeah. I, uh, I, love, adv- I love adventure. I'm thankful for music for that, providing me some opportunities. So um, I've performed in London a few times and been to Paris. I, you know, I, as I, I would walk around Paris, I never would have thought that I would get to, I would be there, you know, a dozen times. I never right. would have thought. The first time I was there was like a dream. And um, and so I got to know Paris pretty well and I actually have some dear lifelong friends over there, worked there. Um, let's see, where else did I work? In, in Europe, and worked in Italy once, up in northern Italy, uh, worked um, in um, uh, Tanzania, and worked in the beautiful Arusha, Tanzania. That was mind-changing over there. Wow. Uh, life-changing. Um, uh, I worked in the Philippines and Saipan. And um, I know I'm forgetting somewhere. Oh, Cuba worked in Cuba. Wow! Just yeah, I've, I've been been blessed with some nice experiences. Now, do you have management? Because you are number one. You're you're multi talented. Um, I imagine you probably hustled that crooner's gig by yourself. But but <laughs> but you, not not one man could do all the things you just told me about, unless you had some help. So. Who's helping Bruce Henry out there get out into the world? Man, nobody. (laughs) Nobody. Um, You know, it's not to say I haven't had friends, you know, that that helped me out. I mean, it was a friend that suggested, you know, if I have a second, can I tell you how I got to Paris? Yeah. I got to Paris because this is one of the great life stories for me. Um, there was a friend um, in Minneapolis, uh, Alain Denay. He um, he said, "You need to be in Paris. They'll love you in Paris." So he introduced me to a club owner, and uh, and I kept the club owner was saying, "Hey, so when you get me a ticket, uh, a round trip ticket, I'll consider that our contract." So I got no ticket. I took off a month worth worth of work in the middle of a busy season, and, and no ticket, no ticket. And so uh, I said, okay, all right, I took the month off. I said, let me go anyway. So I went to the club. <laughs> I put on my best suit, in fact, the best suit I've ever had. <laughs> and, nice. and I went there, but something told me I dragged a whole bunch. I dragged a giant suitcase of sheet music. And when I got there, this is with no gig, I got to the club, and I see the guy running around. The place is sold out, and there's no band. Wow. There's no band. So, you know, of all we know, the business, you know, is 20 minutes before showtime and there's no band. Right. And so I go down there and he was all shocked and sheepish and bears. I'm so sorry I didn't come through. I said, no problem. I said, I noticed you don't have a band. He said, no, there was a car accident in Switzerland. The guy was on his way. I said, hey, look, I can do this for you. Wow. You get me three guys who read music and we'll have the time of our lives. That is, oh, I'm loving this story. Keep going, man. <laughs> he said, you can't do it. I said, just, can you do this? I said, yes, I can. This is what I do. I said, just give me a ride back to the hotel, get my sheet music. So he went, he got a Laotian guy, a uh, French uh, Cameroonian guy, 
and he got a French American pianist, and uh, man, we got held over for t- two more nights, and uh, <laughs> and after that, <laughs> for a decade, they flew me over there for a decade and let me work around France wherever I wanted to work. Wow. Well, some of you know some of the great for decades, you know, since the '30s. Uh, guys like Lester Young or Champion Jack Dupree, blues and jazz cats, black cats, they'd go to Europe and it was so unlike uh, all the uh, segregation in America, they just stayed there because they were treated as artists. So uh, I'm sure they loved Bruce Henry in Paris. I'm sure they did. Well, yeah, I had some I had some fabulous times there. Fabulous times there and uh, and miss it as a matter of fact. <laughs> you know, I know I uh, I had the uh uh the honor of playing both in Iceland and Siberia. Both I like to add without international incident. But when I got to nineteen ninety nine, a friend of mine who I met in Minneapolis uh, owned a club uh in Nova Sibir, Siberia, which is the sister city of St. Paul, Minnesota. And it's about hmm. the same size, and it's kind of at the same longitude. So you, it, it felt like being in Minnesota. So I was, I was booked there for six nights, and he picked me up at the airport. He goes, and I had been, it was like 24 hours to get there with layovers and flying from Minneapolis and New York and Moscow and then Siberia. And so he said, do you want to go home and sleep or do you want to go to the club? I got, ah, take me to the club. So there was this bunch of young white guys, maybe, you know, 21 to 31, um, singing all the Chicago blues. And it sounded like they were a bunch of young white guys, blues musicians from Chicago. So I had my guitar with me. I got up because I was going to sit in with them on the next set. And I started talking to them in the dressing room. None of them spoke English, but they sang phonetically. They sang it perfectly. (laughs) Have you ever had experiences like that when, or just that when you're playing with musicians that don't, you don't share the same language, but you still play very well together? I can't say I've had that experience like that. I can't say it. Wow. Well, it's true. You know what they say? I mean, you know from a bigger vantage point that music is, in fact, the universal language, you know. It, it, what I can relate to with that is the fact that uh, I think uh, I think Stevie Wonder kept me from getting beat up. <laughs> <laughs> I was in the Philippines, and uh, which, let me, let me add this, uh, I've never been to a more friendlier place. Right in, anywhere, the beautiful people. These, these people that I met in this particular—they were out of context or whatever experience. But uh, uh, so I'm at the beach, and being from Chicago, and all of a sudden these guys—they look a little rough around the edges. Are surrounding me. I wow. eight of them, and I can. Being from Chicago, I could tell. Oh, these are those boys. <laughs> right, right. You've seen this before. And just way over the top friendly, and I uh, and. Uh, and and it was they were getting a little more aggressive as the time went by. It's just me. I'm the only American in sight at this beach. Just me. And um I noticed one of them had a had a ukulele. And I said, uh, Oh, you like music? They said, Yeah, I said, You guys know any Stevie Wonder? 
Anyway, Stevie Wonder. <laughs> man, we ended up singing to the sun came down. Man. Oh, man. I got a lot of Stevie Wonder songs. <laughs> I, hope, I hope you did my favorite Stevie, my Sharia Moore. Oh, isn't that beautiful? Oh, man. Yes, well, that's Bruce Henley, this has been such a delightful conversation. Uh, after Crooners tonight, what's your next appearance in the Twin Cities? My next appearance in the Twin Cities is actually in May with, with Dean McGraw, just the two of us. Great. Just the two of us doing some original music and work on a recording that we're working on. And so what's uh, where, and where's, when's that? Where's that show going to be? Um, you know, I, I, you know, I'm going back and forth between different places. I wish I could say I remembered off the top of my head, but uh, <laughs> well, just uh, all all the folks out there that are getting to know Bruce Henry or have known Bruce Henry, just go to bruceahenry.com. And let the website figure it out for you. Bruce, have a great gig tonight and uh, really enjoyable getting to know you a little better. I really look forward to seeing you again in person. And I want you to give me that Chicago tour I've been meaning to take for way too many years. <laughs> well, you're the best, man. This is a fabulous interview, and I'm a big fan of your music uh, as well, man. So I, I wish you all the best. Great, and give and give uh, give the great Mary Harris a big hug from uh, from me, would you? I'll do that. Thanks for listening to the Wall of Power Radio Hour. The show was produced by Paul Metz, engineered by Brett Johnson. We'd like to thank our guest Bruce Henry. That show he was talking about at the end is May sixth at Crooners with the great guitarist Dean McGraw. My book, Alphabet Jazz: Poetry, Prose, Stories, and Songs, is out. Get it on Amazon or The Electric Fetus. And I've got a big show coming up, The Women's Club, the music and storytelling series with interviewer Andrea Swenson. March 25th at The Women's Club. Thanks for listening tonight. And like my dad used to tell me, remember to be kind and make someone happy. <laughs>